0: There's if you haven't uh, grabbed one of these. There's one for every family uh, in the church um, right out back. Trisha Richardson, our fearless church secretary and administrator, has been working with many others to put these together, and here they are: a church directory that has pictures and and if if you allowed a picture to be taken of your family in here and um, there it is. And so there's a, if. If you're were missed somehow in this, just contact Trisha. She'll get your information, and uh, we can put you in and add you in, AdGen so everybody can put you in there very easily. Now, this is uh, this is really neat. People have been asking for for this for a while, and so it, look at it. Something I'm going to do is every week pray over everybody, and just it gives me a great way to to lift up all of you in prayer, and just consider. Um, so I'm going to be doing that. That's my commitment. You can uh, uh, write notes encouraging phone calls. Um, if you want to write nasty notes to everybody, do not use this. Use Facebook. That's what it's for, right? No, I'm kidding. It seems that way sometimes. No, this is just uh, something that, that uh, we've created so that um, so we can bless each other and, 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 and encourage each other. So your copy's in the back. You're welcome to, to grab it on the way out. Um, I've spent, I just came back uh, this morning from Yellowstone Bible Camp, I know that a bunch of uh, the crew was up there last week um, from the church here, and there's a bunch of us up there this week helping out with the high school session. And we had a great start to things, there's a great group of kids there, and if you can pray alongside us during this week, what what I'm praying for is that just every one of those kids, somewhere, somehow, God touches their heart so that... That God becomes something more than just as something that, hey, yeah, I love God. He's there somewhere. But that they commit to change their lives, and um, and God really gets a hold of their hearts. And so if you guys would pray along with us um, while we're up there this week, that would be awesome. But a great group of kids. I'm excited to have a fantastic group of team leaders that are staying in the dorms with the kids. And I just think that great, God's got great stuff uh, for us this week. And so that's, uh, again... You guys can pray along with us. That'll be awesome. And what we're going to be doing with the kids is walking through the Sermon on the Mount. That's a terrible slide. I did not edit that one well enough. So, uh, but I'm going to be sharing this this afternoon up there at teen camp some of this. And this section of the Sermon on the Mount, and, and the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew five through seven, where Jesus sits down and talks about this is what God's kingdom is about. This is what my church is about. This is what I want you to look like. And and so we're going to talk about our mind today and our thoughts. And so how many of you have complete control of everything that goes in your minds and your inner workings are a finely tuned, well disciplined machine. Is that how it works? Everybody's got yeah, everybody's got this dialed, right? Okay. So yeah, you know what I'm talking about is that what happens is is our mind gets to go in sometimes. There's all sorts of stuff goes inside of it. But what Jesus talks about is if we do not learn to discipline what's going on inside of us, we end up being someone very different than we want to be. Okay, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. And if you read that, what it says in essence is, To enter God's kingdom, your righteousness or doing right must surpass that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. In other words, if you're going to, do, going to be part of my kingdom, you have to do better than your teachers are doing. And I imagine the people listening to this originally would have thought, Oh oh no, I don't know if I can do that. My teachers are wonderful. They're great. They're amazing. They have all this experience. I'm not sure if I can ever live to that. But we're going to see that maybe it's not as tough as as we think. So we're going to skip down to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. Let's go ahead and start there. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, so what Jesus is quoting right there is from the Old Testament. One of the Ten Commandments. If you look in uh, Exodus chapter 20, verses 13 and 14, what you see is, do not murder, do not commit adultery. Those two things right there, that's what you see. And so, that's a good law, isn't it? Yeah, God created that, that's something we should live by. But think about this from this perspective, because Jesus continues on here. He says in verse 22, But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Okay, so the religious leaders are saying, Hey, don't murder. Can't murder. That's bad. Don't do it. All right? Are we all on board with that? Okay, yeah. We're all there. But the problem was, is the religious leaders in Jesus' day, by their actions, went around demonstrating that they would overtly and clearly hate anybody that they chose to. And you see that at the trial of Jesus, don't you? You see it in a lot of different ways. And so basically, how they approached this was as long as you don't murder anybody, you're good. In other words, not trying to figure out what the heart and the spirit of the law was, but let's see what I can get away with. So I'm going to hate others. I'm going to treat others terribly. I'm going to do all sorts of horrible things to each other just as long as I don't pull the trigger, in essence. And that was how they lived. And Jesus says, no, but I say, don't." but let's go further than that. Don't hate others, because God will bring judgment for the things that we think, the things that we... We, we are inside. God's going to bring judgment for all of that. And not only that, he continues on. And he says, watch your mouth. The religious leaders say, don't tell somebody raka because you're going to go to the Sanhedrin because of that. And the word raka was a term of contempt or a nasty name you would call somebody. And the term raka is, it was illegal. And so if if someone said that to someone else, then... Some the person could press charges against them, take them to court, and they would have this big court battle, and you could get in trouble for saying raka But Jesus says, Let's think about this a little bit more. Okay? What if don't slander other people in ways that are legal either? Okay? Now think about it, we can because, because our world, we do this as well. Okay? There is some words. That if I said to you, there could be legal consequences, right? There could be all sorts of swear words that would be terrible to come out of my mouth. That someone would say, oh, I can't believe you said that. But I can say things that are just as hurtful without ever using a swear word, can't I? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know that I saw something that um, the kids brought home from school here a while back talking about. uh, When you, you text others... Make sure that you don't say ugly, nasty, bullying things when you do that. And it talked about some of these things that you shouldn't say. And, and so we find ways, as people, as human beings, we find ways to try to work our way around saying something ugly without saying just the right words, right? Without saying the things that are really going to get us in trouble. And so Jesus' point here is, the religious leaders say, don't say these illegal words. But I'm telling you, don't say the legal words either. Don't say the stuff that's going, that you're trying to slander other people because God's going to bring that in judgment as well. Don't think that God doesn't know what's going on in your heart because he knows exactly what's going on here. Let's continue on. Jesus continues on talking about controlling our minds and our mouths. Verse 23, "...therefore, if you offer your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift." Okay, so Jesus gives a couple of examples here in controlling our minds and controlling what comes out of our mouths. First of all, he says here, take initiative to make peace. There is, that's, that's our job as spiritual people, take initiative to make peace. And worship or the rituals that we do are useless unless there's reconciliation. Okay, that's the point here. If God is going to choose one or the other and he wants us to do both, if I come here, and I can say all these great words, I can sing wonderful songs, I can smile, I can get into it. But if I walk out the door and I hate people around me, what is my worship worth to God? Nothing. Now that's his point here, is that worship or ritual is useless without reconciliation. And here's example number two, uh, starting in verse 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So example two is settle matters quickly and directly. Because this is how it works. If we go about life being people of peace that pursue peace, that decide peace is important and that's something I'm going to live by, and I'm going, that, that's something that, that, is, that is vitally important, then do we ever get to the point where we end up murdering somebody? We don't, because we've controlled what's happening inside of our mind already. But if I walk through life and, and I do not work to control what's going on inside my head and heart, and somebody cuts me off in traffic, and I think, oh, that person's... Idiot. Terrible. An awful person. I'm not a, and, and we just stew about it. We stew about it. And then we see that person later. Same vehicle. Cuts us off again. Oh, man, we get upset. Urgh, we get upset. You can see how things can snowball and they get worse and they get worse and they get worse. And someday we find ourselves pursuing violence that we never saw ourselves doing at all. And it all starts with what happens up here. And that's Jesus' point, is, boy, be so careful because what happens upstairs inside your head is vitally important for what comes out and what we, what we do. Does it make sense? You see what Jesus is saying here? Because what happens inside of us is, is vitally important. Control our thoughts. Look at uh, verses 27 28. It continues on here. The religious leaders say, don't commit adultery. That's what you see. But that's one of the Ten Commandments that comes right after do not murder. So Jesus references that. But Jesus goes further and says, I'm telling you even more than that. Okay, don't commit adultery, which is what God intends for, for, to happen in this life, is one man, one woman for life. That's his plan. Okay? And so if, if I decide I'm not going to live by that plan, and I run off and I get involved intimately with other people, then I, that's adultery. I'm violating God's plan for my life. And He says, "Don't do it. That's bad. It's awful." You, the Old Testament, New Testament is filled with uh, language that talks about this is destructive. It's violence. It's terrible. It, it destroys families. It destroys societies. All that kind of thing. And Jesus, and so the religious leaders, you can imagine, um, is and from what I've read from. And what I understand from them is, is they held this idea of committing adultery very loosely, if I can say it that way. Uh, they would have a wife. These religious leaders oftentimes had a wife that was their wife that they'd had for a long time. But even religious leaders could get around with messing around with others, other women, and not lose their positions as religious leaders. As long as it wasn't excessive. As long as it wasn't in broad daylight, that sort of thing. And so they would go around teaching and talking about, okay, you know, just, just make sure that you, you just don't commit adultery, at least not open and clearly and all that. And Jesus says, Well, what i tell you is don't even lust. Okay? Don't even think those thoughts in your heart and in your head. Don't don't go there. And that's what lust is—is is adultery of the heart. We let our mind go to places that it shouldn't. Okay, I'm going to keep this PG. All right, we let our mind go to where and in, in think about things that we should not be. Now, okay, so what does that mean? How do we how do we walk through this? Okay, here's some extremes that I've I've heard as as people have talked through. This. Okay, so and this is kind of how the, there's some extremes, and this is how some of the religious leaders approached it is. I can think about whatever I want in my own head, because that's my place, that's my my area. I can think about stuff, I can dream about stuff, just as long as I don't actually do those things, I can dream. Boy, it's hard to have a heart for God when we live that way. Because eventually, what we dream about, we're going to act on, and we do. Or the other side, sometimes we can, we can go to the other side, the extreme, and say... Yeah, lust is exactly the same as adultery. Okay? Lust is the same as adultery, just as being angry with a brother or sister is the same as murder. Okay? I, I, w- when I've been angry with someone, when you've been angry with somebody, I don't think you've gone and turned yourself into the police to say, I have murdered. Okay? But Jesus' point here is that it's not that it's the same, but when we committed lust, we're committing adultery in our hearts, And that's wrong. Adultery is wrong. Lust is wrong. And if we want to follow God, then all of those things we need to keep far, far away from us because those things are going to be destructive in our life and they're going to lead us down a road that's going to to create disaster in our lives and the lives of others. And so, what happens inside of our head and what we allow our mind to think about has all the impact in the world for, for how we live, for who we become. Okay? So, Jesus goes on here, and let me read this again, because this is kind of scary here. Verse 29, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Okay, so what is Jesus talking about here? Because I don't see too many of us walking around with one eye and one arm. Alright? So, what on earth is Jesus talking about here? He uses this term, the phrase is hyperbole, or he uses exaggeration to make a point. He says, because I think at times what we can do is, is we, we just allow sin to work in our life, we allow sin to run rampant and think, well, I just don't know what to do about it, I just don't know how to get rid of it. And Jesus' point here is be drastic. Hey, be drastic. Whenever there's sin, whenever it's in your life, whenever it, it is eaten at you, what you have to do is be drastic. If, if I approach sin that is living in my life, that is unrepentant, and just say, well, you know, I'll just kind of go with it, and at you know, some point in time, oh, things will be different, I'll, I'll get around. It, it doesn't work that way. We have to decide, I am God's, and it stops now. And I may fall short, but I, I am in. And I'm going to put up parameters in order to, to be drastic with the with the, the dark side that's in my life. So there's there's all sorts of ways to uh, to do this and being drastic about sin. And one of the things that we see in scripture that is so that's beautiful, that's important. Let's go to James. Let's read this one, as we do have a few minutes. Let's go to James chapter five. James chapter five. It says in verse 13, if "...is anyone of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. For confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective." And so one of the great ways we can be drastic about sin, if there's something that is is in our our head and our heart that we just can't seem to get rid of, find someone who is a very spirit-led person that is more mature than you, is my recommendation. Find a time to go to coffee, find a time to sit down and share it. And say, I am struggling with this, whatever it may be, and you share it and you pray about it together because what happens is when we confess our sins to one another and we do that voluntarily that's that's something we're called to by God that's we do that voluntarily then what happens is we can't hide that anymore because we know someone is going to come and going to ask us about those things and going to pray alongside us because of those things and what happens is is when when mold can 't grow in the dark very much, just like sin or mold can 't grow in the light very well, just like sin can 't grow in the light very well is God has a way of providing healing in those times when we 're willing to confess that he wouldn 't do other ways and in addition, we confess, we pray, and we remove the opportunities, or remove access to whatever that sin is. Um, I know that with uh, with people that um, oftentimes struggle with pornography, you have to change up your devices somehow, provide accountability, and there's accountability out there like covenant eyes, those type of things that change and prevent access from happening in the ways that you've approached that before and so that's just one example but there's there's all sorts of ways that we we provide uh, we can we can eliminate access, getting drastic with sin, making sure we don't go down that road again okay here's let's let's compare these here okay. The Pharisees are religious leaders, as Jesus is saying. Their way was, oh, as long as I don't murder anybody, I can think terrible, awful thoughts about them. And as long as I don't illegally slander stuff, I can say terrible, horrible things to people, just as long as I don't say the really, really bad words that are going to get me in legal trouble. And I'm going to do religious rituals. It doesn't matter to anybody. It doesn't matter how I treat people. As long as I do the sacrifices just right or I sing just right, everything is going to be fantastic. If there's conflict, I'm going to gather other people, and I'm going to blast them. And uh, as long as I don't commit adultery itself, I can have emotional attachments with other people. I can, um, I can think all sorts of stuff in my head. As long as I don't do that specifically, I'm all right. And Jesus' point is, <laughs> no, that's not how this works at all. Don't hate others. Hey, start way, way, way further back. Don't hate others. Don't slander others. Show concern for your brothers and sisters through ritual. And make peace directly, and don't lust. Okay, Don't even, don't even go down that road, because that's what's going to be destructive. Okay? Here's a couple of things that I found helpful. Okay? How many of you have seen this quote? Watch your thoughts, for they become your words. your words for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character, and watch your character, for they become destiny. In other words, the thoughts that we have way over here eventually become who we are way over here and what we're known for. Um, I was up at um, camp yesterday, and there's a a family that's just moved to Montana. And they... uh, They've never been to Montana before, uh, but he, they just moved to Sydney, Montana. The dad is the minister for the church there. And uh, this, this family has, has never been anywhere near this part of the world. And this young girl was uh, just, again, just moving to Montana. One well, of the first things she does is camp. And she's down at the bridge there. And if you've seen the bridge at Mill Creek, when you look underneath, what does the water look like? It's clear. Yep, runoff is is mostly done. The water is clear. And she said, Wow, I've never seen water like that before. It's so beautiful. It's so clear. And that water from Mill Creek runs down, and it's pure, and it's wonderful, and it's great, and it just runs and continues on. But if we as a camp chose to pollute that water right there, what does it do? It makes everything downstream Polluted and worse, and so there's the point that this is being made. And this is a this is a, a, a quote from someone who isn't a Christian at all, but I believe this is a spiritual Christian concept here. The things that our thoughts, if we think about it too much, eventually it just comes out of our mouths, and then we act on them. They become our habits. That becomes our character, and that becomes who we are, our destiny. It all starts right up here. Here's another quote. And I believe this one is, is powerful because this one comes directly from the New Testament, directly from Scripture. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And there's a, a while back that we uh, wrote this out and placed it in one of our children's bedrooms. So they could think about it, because you notice that there's the tendency to, to think negative, to think things that are, that, are, that are not this way. But just think about it. If every one of us makes this commitment here to say, I'm going to, to wake up every morning. I'm not going to wake up and I can't believe it. I'm going to be upset about this and start filling ourselves with that negative stuff. But we wake up every morning and say, all right, I'm going to ponder and think about what is true. What is what is right? What is the, the true things to do that I need to do today? And I ponder those. And I think about whatever is, is noble or, or whatever is, is honorable, things that are, that are uplifting. I think about what is right. I think about what is pure. I think about things that are lovely, things that are admirable, anything that is excellent, praiseworthy, and I just ponder those things. And I do that every day, day in and day out. I think about, as I find myself falling short on this a lot, but I look at this and I think, what would I look like if I did this every day? Can you see that for yourself? If you woke up every day saying, I'm going to focus on these things that are true and right and admirable, and those are the things that I'm going to, to, to really give my best to. I think God changes us when we, when we live that way. And, and this is, uh, I hope this is encouraging and this is transformational for you. It's a, a teaching of Jesus that, that always, always hits me in the heart. Because I know that if I focus on things that are negative inside here, that's what eventually comes out. Can you guys relate to that? How many of you had times in your life where you really dwelled on things that were negative? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. And what comes out? Negative stuff, negative actions. And so hopefully this is a reminder for all of us right now today to say, all right, right here, right now, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to recommit to God that I'm going to be a person that thinks about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And those are the things that I'm going to ponder on. And those are the things that I'm going to fill my mind with. And by doing so, I'm going to bless everybody around me. Sound like a plan? All right, Let's, uh, if you would like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back. The elders are, are waiting back there to pray with you uh, through whatever situation you're going through. Uh, they're excited to pray with you and walk, through you with, walk beside you with, in, in whatever situation you may be in. Let's stand and sing together.